Welcome back to Church Unscripted, a ministry of Brookside Church, where we're diving deeper into the conversations we have on Sunday morning. Thank you for joining us. And if you are new to our channel, make sure you subscribe before you walk away and make sure you hit that notification bell and like us so that you can be informed of any new content that we upload onto our channel. Thank you again for being here. Uh, we are talking about this last weekend's message where uh, none of us actually preached it. Um, our friend Brian Clay preached it, and unfortunately he couldn't be here to um, uh, to be a part of this podcast. But that does you, not you, mean you don't mean just part of this to be grilled to by be this grilled pod, by, no, by maybe this that's why he said he couldn't make it <laughs> yeah he knows that we're grilling each other <laughs> which is fine but that doesn't mean there's any shortage of conversation because when you're talking about the holy spirit um the conversation can keep going and so uh, i'm ready to dive in uh because i've loved the conversation that brian brought to us this sunday uh as we as we dove into a topic that i would suggest many of us uh, even if we are familiar with the passage in Ephesians chapter five, mm-hmm. uh, we, we probably have some misunderstandings of what it actually talks about. And so uh, for those uh, online who are not uh, able to watch or be a part of the message this weekend, uh, he referenced Ephesians chapter five, uh, where we are called to not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, mm-hmm. uh, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that kind of leads into really my first question, because I would suggest that the first time you read a passage like that, your, uh, you bring into your interpretation of that passage, uh, your understandings of alcohol and what it means to be drunk and how does that relate to the Holy Spirit? And is it the same thing? So here's my first question. I want you to go back all the way to when you first remember reading that passage. Maybe it was like when you're in high school or something like that, or maybe... It was, I don't know what it was, but I'm going to ask you, what was your first initial impression of what that passage mean? Let me just find the verse. It's Ephesians chapter five. Um, it's verse 18. It says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. So what was your initial understanding of Ephesians 5, 18? That's All why, that's why David's going to go next. What, You're I'm, closer to those years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, no, I'm trying to, his memory I, should be fresher yeah, or something. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I don't remember okay. what I had for breakfast this uh, morning. I feel like <laughs> that's, a, that's over a decade ago. So, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, hmm. I feel like growing up, wine was like, like alcohol was like a no, no. Like, oh, yeah. Shame, taboo, shame, right? No, no. Shame, yeah. shame. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Don't, don't mm-hmm. do it. Don't. Whatever. It's like the unpardonable sin. Yeah. Isn't so it, it was yeah. like it was like, well, of course I don't want to get drunk on wine. Yeah. That's that's a sin. Right. Like I don't want to I don't want to be a part of wine. Um I I don't know. I think it was it was probably like really dumbed down and was like, don't choose alcohol, choose God. You know, like something yeah. like that. Like I feel like that was probably my first initial understanding was, well, alcohol is bad and God is good. So obviously, choose God. That's, that's, I have very similar background. Yeah. So, so I, I grew up in a home where there really wasn't alcohol in the home. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a church growing up and I loved it, but I also think like in some ways it was like, does anyone drink here or do they not? <laughs> or like, is that okay? Like yeah. I, there was, it wasn't discussed. Yeah. Um, and I still remember like the first time I went to my grandparents' house and they're drinking like red wine at dinner and I'm like, what's that? You know, and didn't didn't connect differences in views and like family members and being around family members, um, and then being around uh, my grandparents and hearing a story about when my uncle, 
Um, this is legend, so I'm not sure if this is accurate. So, mom, sorry, but um, he he tried to drink my grandfather's beer, and you know what my grandfather decided to do? Have him drink a forty of alcohol, and then he never drank again. Mm, that sounds like good parenting. Well, maybe it it's terrible parenting. parenting. It's terrible okay. parenting. But what my point is is like my vision of getting drunk with wine is doing something in excess. Mm without moderation but i didn't actually understand that word moderation until i was an adult and like realized like okay this is a problem but the contrast here i think is important it says filled Mm. when you drink too much wine you are filling yourself with something that leads to sin and destruction do you see what i'm saying like so so really there is a contrast like when i started understanding as a teen is like what am i filled with Am I just going to be filled with something that, like, is going to make me I, not sober? You know, to use other passages, you know, Peter talks about being sober. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's in First Peter. There's a, there's a couple mm-hmm. other passages that describe right. that. And so do I want to be sober? Um, so, yeah, I, I had a very strict view. Like, when you're talking about this, like, the hand thing, like, we don't do that. Um, I think that was very much uh, the viewpoint. And then I also saw, like, family members or relatives that were not believers and I saw how they abuse that or that was like discussed about how they abuse that and so I think that was definitely a struggle as a Christian so what does this even mean is it just super black and white or mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and as you get older you realize not everything's as black and white as you think as a child mm-hmm. yeah and I and think so, I think the way you describe that and, and you too David is, is I think a reason why a lot of Christians uh, are comfortably complacent about being filled with the Holy Spirit because uh, if I were to answer my own question, I would interpret that a long time ago as, okay, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, it's going to have similar kinds of effects as if I was filled with wine. And so yeah. loss of control, mm. um, acting crazy, obnoxious, loud, mm. those kind of things that being drunk does for you. And so I think that there was some anxiety, but, but the, at but least on a lot of- spiritual version of that. Well, yeah, but I don't even know what that looks like, right? And it so seems chaotic, right? It, it seems chaotic. It feels like I've lost control. And especially for, well, I don't know about anybody else's personality. I don't like to lose control. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that makes me obsessive compulsive. I just think I don't want to lose control. And so that made me nervous. Um, but what I appreciated about Brian's message this week is is the comparison is not that the Holy Spirit filling you does the same thing to you that alcohol does. Mm. It's more of um, I am surrendering myself mm. either to alcohol and here's the result of it, mm. or I'm surrendering myself to the Holy Spirit and mm. here's the result of that. Mm. And um, and that was I a like, good. I like what he. I like what he said about. Um, when you get drunk on wine, we would say you're under the influence. Yeah, yeah. And so are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? I feel like right. that question was like, that's really thought-provoking. Like, am I under the influence of the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? Not in a chaotic, you know, it, it looks different, but I and, think that's really And David, important. when you say it that way, I think, is that a question we could ask each other every day? Are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit today? Mm. Like if you see something that's out of alignment with what you see in scripture, Mm. hey, are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit today? I feel like that's a very, very challenging question. So like if you're you're watching and listening to that, I'm like, ask yourself Mm. that question. Ask Am I under family the, that? Well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's, I, the, I, that's a little scary sometimes. Yeah. Looking at all of us going like, oh, <laughs> I know, no, no. I, mean, I don't know. That question a, might be weird every what, day. What a, what a, great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what yeah. a great way to lead our families, though. That's right. Yeah. To, to draw our attention towards being under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, if you have a five-year-old, they're probably not going to understand what being under the influence is. But are you 
are you aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit? I think that's really important for our well, homes. And are there signs? Like under the influence implies there's signs because if you're under the influence of alcohol, you can't walk straight. Mm-hmm. If you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, are you being compassionate? Are mm-hmm. you caring? Are you, you know, exuding the fruit of the Spirit, like, mm-hmm. or not? Yeah, uh, well, you're getting ahead of me there, so let me just okay, ask whoa, the whoa, question. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So. Before you do that, okay. I do have a one side thing that I just keep thinking <laughs> he, he about. He shut me down there. Yeah, he's he's like, shut like, you I know down. you want to ask like, all the no, questions. No, no, you don't get I to know ask you want to ask all the questions. See, he didn't preach this week, so, like, I feel like Eric's like, I get my sermon in on Church Unscripted. Exactly. Right, okay. So, so what What I just, when I read this, I have to tell you my other thing as a kid, because it's not just that verse. The next verse goes, Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. And that continues. I can't sing. I always read that and be like, I don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the, the same thing that you were talking about being crazy, I'm like, I don't want to sing. If that's the only way you show you're filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't want to do that. And I always forgot verse 20 when it says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I basically acted like that first verse was there. And I'm like, I don't want to be some crazy singing person because I can't even sing on key. My wife knows that. Now you know that. So I'm <laughs> well, just- No, no, we've always known that. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. Yeah. So, but I look at that and like, I feel like there's some misnomers. When you read that, yeah. it's not, it's, it's, it's descriptive, but it's not prescriptive. It's not telling us what to do exactly. Mm. It's saying this is the result of that. Mm. And then, but the thing I think that changed my heart on that is- making melody to the Lord with your heart. That's what I do every Sunday when I'm off key. I make melody to the Lord with my heart. So like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm expressing mm. my thankfulness and my worship towards mm. the Lord in a way that maybe is not a beautiful noise to the people around me. I'm just saying, <laughs> but the reality is we all have those moments mm. where we just need to actually raise our hands or do something different or get on our knees in our homes or in a service or something. Um, and I think sometimes it's a little bit like his analogy on Sunday as he described the stirring and it kind of settles is we just forget that we are filled with the Holy Spirit as well and we can be filled and we need to be under the influence of the Spirit. So that was an aside, but I just can't sing. Whenever I heard that, I was like, I was like, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? That's all you do is sing? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Sorry, sorry, worship pastor. Well, it leads, it, leads to, uh, <laughs> it leads to a really good question because some of the things that Brian said was, uh, it, it's not a question of whether you have all of the Holy Spirit, which, is a, which makes perfect sense because if the Holy Spirit is a person and not an it, right? Mm-hmm. Then- um, Wait, 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 wait. You're not gonna give him like any flack for that? No, we're gonna, like, we're gonna like, give him just, some grace just for that bypass. one. Just bypass. Okay, because yeah. uh, you didn't Sin give Sun, me a, you gave he, me tons he of flack. flack for well, it. you deserve to get the flack, okay? <laughs> so, so if the Holy Spirit's a person, then you can't parse out a person, right? Mm. And so you either have the Holy Spirit or you don't, which is why I appreciate him reminding us of that. So instead of Mm. that question, the real question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Mm. And that's why I appreciated the analogy of the milk and the chocolate syrup and so forth, and that you can have the whole Holy Spirit in you, except he can, you can keep him dormant if Mm. you're not careful. Mm. And so um, that leads to that question, you know, what are the, how do you know, um, if, if, you are, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. No, that's the wrong question. The right question is, how do you know um, if the Holy Spirit has all of you? And, and there's, like you said, indicators of this, right? Mm. The problem is there's people who have different indicators than right. you and I might have. Right. One indicator might be like, you don't have the Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit doesn't have you unless you're speaking in tongues. Mm. 
um, or you're not prophesying, or you don't yet have the whole Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit doesn't have you, unless you're slain in the Spirit, whatever that looks like, right? Mm. Um, so there's different indicators. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you know, David, if the Holy mm. Spirit has all of you? Oof, that's good. Um, I think it's in the way that I interact with people and the way that I live my life. I think that's the that's the telltale sign of if the Holy Spirit has all of me. And if I'm if I'm not living with the fruit of the Spirit, if I don't have the overflow of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, I think Missed I got faithfulness, all of faithfulness. Faithfulness. Sorry, 90%, oh, 90%. nailed it. Um, if I don't have those things in me, I think that's a check. It's not a hey, you're not you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's am I am I doing that stirring? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to fill me? Um, because on my own, I don't choose love. I don't choose patience. I don't choose self-control. And so if, I, if I'm beginning to, if, if I'm operating in those things, I know that I'm filled with the Spirit. And I can sense even in my own life when I have kind of let him settle in my life, I become irritable. I become frustrated, impatient. Um, so I think that that's a, a way to kind of an, analyze that is to say, am I filled with these things? If, yeah. if I'm filled with the spirit, I'm filled with his fruit. And, and, I, <laughs> I, and I, I could even take it a little bit further. I think uh, for me, one of the things I notice, and it kind of exhibits everything you just described is I think of peace and mm. how Jews would greet each other with the word shalom. And I feel like the ultimate peace is actually when you're filled with the spirit mm. because you can be in chaos you can yeah. be in difficult situations and nothing phases you mm. um because your identity is found in christ and i i think of people that believe christ and have gone to their death mm. because they believed christ they weren't willing to say i'm going to forsake christ for muhammad or i'm not going to forsake christ for my family mm. i'm not going to forsake christ for name whatever it is and i think i think in some ways when you're filled with the spirit it doesn't always mean something dramatic. Hmm. Sometimes it's the presence that you have around hmm. others, which is how you interact. Um, I do think that even though it's the spirit stirred, as to, to use that analogy again, that motion can be a peaceful motion rather than being, hmm. you know, sometimes like chaos feels like there's a lot of things going on. There's motion like heat. Heat creates movement and, and coolness you know, stops movement. Well, I think the heat is actually can be peace. It doesn't, it's like, it's like the anti-motion of motion. I don't know what you want to call it because it's like heat, heat creates friction and motion in the world. And then peace we see as this stable, stagnant thing. But the reality is peace in the Holy Spirit seems to be a lot of movement in the spirit mm. that we are filled with. Mm. Um, a term that we've been talking about a lot as staff is having a non-anxious presence. And I think that is another description of being filled with the spirit because mm. when we are anxious, scripture tells us we need to pray and ask God and we will receive beyond our understanding, mm. you know, peace and we'll receive thankfulness because we'll, we'll be thanking him for 
what are, is going on in our life. So I yeah. think it all, that's just, peace seemed like the word I kept thinking mm. of when he yeah, was talking. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And by the way, kudos for trying to be a scientist. That was a, was a great attempt. Oh. Trying to talk about cold and stuff. That was really good. Hey, it's, but, it's unscripted, okay? okay. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah. I didn't plan that. Maybe we should script it a little bit more. Okay. Um, <laughs> only talk about things you know, Heat right. is listen, motion. Listen, there's a reason we're pastors here, okay? Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, uh, scientists are watching. We're in trouble. That's Sorry. Right. That's right. They have no idea what they're talking about. Anyway, so uh, I, like, I like the concept that the presence of the Holy Spirit, the feeling of the Holy Spirit uh, brings peace and brings uh, non-anxious presence. However, I want to make a, a caveat because there's a whole lot of our people who live in a significant amount of routine anxiety. Yeah. Um, yes. And when I look at those people, I wouldn't say that they are not filled with the Holy Spirit. I just think in some of those cases, um, I think the Holy Spirit says... I'm going to allow some of this anxiety to remain so that you have a continual motivator to look to me and keep your eyes on Jesus. It's the thorn in the flesh. It, it could be that very much yes. so. And I think yeah. even in that anxiety, um, the Holy Spirit can provide a peace and a calmness mm. and a security while at the same time not completely eliminating the anxiety. So I just want to be clear that if, mm. if our people watching are struggling with anxiety, mm. it does not necessarily mean that they're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And I love what you said about lo, the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that reminded me of what, of what was happening down at Asbury College. We talked yeah. about that revival, mm-hmm. that awakening happening. Yeah. And I read an article recently about it and uh, how there were several personalities uh, that tried to come and make it louder than it was, than it really was. Mm. Um, professional revivalist. I didn't mm. even know that was a thing, right? Um, or There's people professionals who, for that? I, apparently, I didn't know. I don't know anyone, uh, okay. but apparently are. And then people who tried to make a name for themselves out of it. Um, people who uh, walked into the gathering and began to shout angry prayer. I'm not sure what that sounded like, mm. but it sounded really weird. Angry prayer? Angry prayer, try to cast demons out in the middle of the service. And I don't even know what the context was, but it was weird, right? And so what I heard the article say is that the leadership of Asbury, and I man high five to them for what they did, is, is they would approach these people um, calmly and respectfully and say, recognize the way the Holy Spirit has shown up here. Mm. He has shown up in a very peaceful, calm, non-anxious kind of a way. And we need to ask you to respect that. And because the nature of this entire awakening, this revival mm. was repentance, and prayer, mm. and worship, and confession. Um, in fact, you didn't even see a whole, you didn't see this, this huge uh, um, mass salvation thing. Mm. You didn't see that. What you saw is a whole lot of people repenting, confessing, worshiping prayer. And everybody that I read online that went to visit Asbury said that the atmosphere was filled with peace. Mm. And it was really, really easy to pray and worship. Mm-hmm. And I love that in contrast to what we perhaps could have a, um, a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit's presence or where it's really loud and everyone's getting slain in the spirit and you have to like speak in tongues and you're writhing on the floor. That's not always, not necessarily exclusively, but that's not always how the Holy Spirit works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think more often than not, like you're saying, he shows up and he fills a space mm. um, and it's marked more often mm. by peace yeah. and calmness and hmm. the, I would I would the, say it's interesting. I've been in a situation uh, not too long ago where people were speaking in tongues and slain in the spirit, as you would say, um, 
and it wasn't chaos. It was yeah. filled with peace. Yeah. And so I think that's where we, I think that's really yeah. good to say that that's the characteristic of, of how the Holy Spirit moves is at peace. Like if you, if it's anxious, if it's chaotic and you are, uh, it, it's not the Holy Spirit. Well, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't right. say it, but it, more often than not, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. Right. So there could be a lot of activity. Yep. There could be a lot of noise, mm-hmm. a lot of charismatic things going yeah. on. But if the Holy Spirit's there, it's still defined by peace, by peace yeah. and by, by the presence and power of God, mm-hmm. which, is, which is really cool. Um, and one thing I think about that too is people were drawn to that. I mean, I, yeah. I heard mm-hmm. of at least three or four different news agencies that tried yeah. to go there and Asbury said, no, you're not right. coming here. <laughs> right. This is why, just respect us. Yeah. And I was surprised by that when I, when I was thinking about that. I'm like, so basically they did the exact opposite of what the world said. This wasn't about notoriety. Mm. This wasn't about them. This yeah. wasn't about Asbury College. This wasn't about the moment there. Mm. This was all about the Holy Spirit and God working mm. oh, yeah. there. And that's what's yeah. important. I think in any moment where you're filled with the Spirit, I think the difference is it's mm. not about you. So the yeah. chaos that sometimes mm-hmm. is exhibited when people are like, oh, I'm, this is going on and this is, oh, this is so radical. Is, is it pointing back to God mm-hmm. or is it pointing to you yeah. and your gift? Right. That's, right. that's yeah. really a big line there. Mm-hmm. I think the Holy Spirit is really good at keeping the integrity of his movement um, secure. Yeah. And he, um, he equips leaders and servants to make the wise decision to make sure that the integrity of his presence is not corrupted by um, poor motivations or um, agendas or anything like that. So he's really good at that, which is why when I, when I go back to Ephesians chapter five, here's the next question. Um, I think I get a, a, a better understanding of the comparison slash contrast between being filled with the Holy Spirit as opposed to being filled mm-hmm. with wine in that the previous verses one through 17 mm-hmm. is a description of what looks like, what it, your life looks like when you can be filled with alcohol. I mean, verse... Uh, sexual immorality, uh, when you are drunk, you are more given to immorality in the baser parts of your personality. Um, impurity or greed, when you are filled with wine or alcohol, then you can be given to poor decisions like that. Um, these are improper for God's holy people, uh, verse three says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. It, it's no surprise that when you're drunk, those, that kind of language mm. comes out far easier than when you're in control yeah. of your of your facilities, faculties, right? So I get the impression that when he's saying, don't get drunk on wine, most of us feel that the way we escape a, a painful, hurtful w- world is to get drunk or to mm. give ourselves to some form of addiction. Mm. What he is saying is that all that does is it leads to more bondage. Mm. When what you really want is freedom, mm. what you want is hope, we look for in those kind of places. But he says, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then there's a freedom there you can't get anywhere else. Mm. Um, so the effect is completely different. And I suspect that there are people who are even believing. Well, okay, here's the question. Here's the question. I was going to say, w- okay. where's the question? I feel like this He's is a sermon. At, I was like, watch out. Um, watch out. Listen, that's why I'm not the, the host often. Uh, <laughs> so I got to get better at asking questions. He- here's the question. Um, how do Christians spiritualize addiction? and spiritualize um, escaping to different things that only lead to more bondage or despair or disappointment? How do Christians spiritualize 
getting drunk on whatever that wine is for them. David ahead, David looked at me first, so I guess I, I I'm on the spot. Which I actually <laughs> did, did I, I have a lot. You is that did, I, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I'll let him talk. I have and a lot then of maybe thoughts. Maybe it'll clarify for okay. me. So so are you asking? Maybe I'll ask a clarifying question first. Are you asking how do we as Christians spiritualize things that that are an addiction that draw us away from God? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Or are like are fake fake freedoms. Fake freedoms. Yeah. So like this may seem simple. I think of how many different like things are out there that talk about coffee with Jesus or something like that. And yeah, <laughs> David's got coffee on the table here, but I think of like different things that are an addiction physiologically mm-hmm. to our body mm-hmm. that we we basically just normalize. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of how uh, Christians tend to do certain things and think it's okay. Mm-hmm. And Christ, people that aren't Christians are like, why can Christians do that, but they can't do this? Yeah. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. It's mm-hmm. inconsistent. And so how we spiritualize it, I think at times is, oh, I just need me time. We say things that the world says mm-hmm. that God never teaches. We need to be filled with the spirit. That's not me time. That's actually pursuing God time. And so uh, I would think of it as, uh, I'm trying to think of addictions that are like accept in the church. Um, this one right here. I was going to say, call it out. Okay, just coffee. This is, this <laughs> just say coffee. I don't think, I'm not going to go so far as call that a, an well, addiction. But well, if I, if I, if caffeine, I, caffeine can well, be. Yeah, but have you ever come off a caffeine addiction? You have a big headache, not. man. You have a big headache. It, yeah, yeah you but have when, you're, when you're drinking coffee, if you drink five cups of coffee in a day, you're not giving yourself to like what being drunk on wine does for you. Try but if it's, it but if it's pursuing, I need more energy, I need more. So I think I think I know what you're getting at more than that. That's a simple yes. one. We're this not is talking a, on the, this like, is the a basic. Level. Sure. Yeah. You're okay. saying so, what takes control of us. So what oh, takes yeah. control of us? Yeah. I think, I think our our preference is the greatest addiction of the American church. Wow. I know. I just that was a mic drop, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is, instead of walking into the church seeing how we can serve others and hear the word of God mm-hmm. preached, we're many times critiquing the pastor that's up there, giving their heart to preach the word, and we're critiquing the people around us for how they dress or how they look or how they worship or doing something different. Um, and I don't, in my lifetime, I've been around people that tell me every number of reasons why they're at this church or that church. And I would say nine times out of 10, it comes across as preference and not relationship, and not being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think the addiction that we have is an addiction to that wild experience that you kind of described earlier, rather than addiction to the peace of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the presence of God. So let me just make sure so I heard I'm you just, correctly. I'm so. not sure. I, I, no, no, I'm not disagreeing. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. So yeah, yeah. what you're saying is, is similar to being drunk on wine, which can lead to debauchery and can cause all kinds of you know, immorality and foolish talk and coarse joking, maybe not those same kind of effects, but an addiction to our preferences in church can control us yes. and can prevent us from being free, set free in the spirit and being a part of what God's doing. Yeah. And so an indicator of the Holy Spirit, no, no, an indicator of the Holy Spirit having all of the believer is that they have power to oversee preferences mm. and stand on the purity of the gospel and serve Jesus where he is going. Is, is that what I'm hearing you say? 
Yes. Let okay. me unpack just a little bit more. Okay. Because part of that- <laughs> David, pro- haven't he answered yet? But, I know, I know. But I, th- this is like a hot button thing okay. for me. Okay. Yeah, we're listening. The other part of it is along those lines of preference is convenience. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's the difference between preference and convenience? Convenience is a sub part of preference, I would say. But okay. I would say in terms of, you, you could break down preference with uh, uh, consumerism. It could be convenience, those kind of things, and those concepts. I think that's something believers have really struggled with. And I would argue that the whole year of 2020, everything that was happening in our country over that time period has created this sense of lack of identity in the church almost, and it's gone back to preference. I mean, I remember in 2020 talking to people that mm-hmm. were like, I'm watching four churches online every week. I'm like, you have that much time? They're like, yeah, because I'm not going to church. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that makes no sense. Like, that's not part of being the church. And so I think when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it requires, no matter how introverted, extroverted you are, relationship with people, like mm-hmm. David said earlier, mm-hmm. and and that eliminates preference. I also think Jesus consistently gave the example of a servant. Mm. And that he did not look at his preference. I don't think his preference was to wash the disciples' feet. They were nasty and dirty, okay? Mm. I don't think his preference was to go to the cross. Mm. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane to not go to the cross. I mean, that's what it sounds like. He's like, God, just take this from me. If there's any other way, Mm. but he still went to the cross and was obedient, as Philippians tells us. I feel like that's probably the hot button issue of the whole church right now. I mean, I think that's I think that's what we're getting drunk on is our preference. Mm. So, so preference can can drown out uh, the call to be obedient. Mm. It can drown out the call to stand on the purity and uh, of the gospel. Um, mm. And so, preference, what I'm hearing you say, can be very much like a wine we can get drunk on that controls the way we behave, mm. the way we see things, the way we perceive things. Okay, gotcha. I think you it haven't can, spoken it, yet. Go it can, ahead. Yeah, I know, well, David. That, yeah. that preference can blind us to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Sure, can. like we've seen yeah. that. Yeah, we, you know, we we talk about we have conversations in one day with somebody who sees the move of the Spirit, and someone else who says yeah. that he wasn't moving at all. And I think that is that is a preference thing. Sure. Um, so I definitely agree with that. <laughs> one one of the other things that I was thinking of in our culture is money. I feel like we have an addiction to money, like not maybe maybe not money itself but like the use of money like stuff more stuff more stuff um i find myself saying a lot and my wife would attest to this i can't wait for the day when i have enough money to just give it away to be generous right but What's that, the that, actual flaw in that? I was going right? to say, that sounds like you're n- not able to be generous now, but the reality right, is... Right, but I, I do have, so I can give. But in our minds, like especially in the church, it's like, you know, we push generosity. We, we want to serve other people with our finances. And as, as someone who doesn't have a lot of money, in my, in my faulty understanding, I can say, well, if only I had more money, then I could be more generous. And I've been convicted in that where the Holy Spirit's like, no, you have what you need. Mm-hmm. Like he will supply everything you need and then give from that. Because if you're not giving with what you have now, yeah. you won't give when you have more and, money. And, and maybe this is a hot button topic for me because I remember a time where I heard from couples and I thought myself, this was thought never verbalized. So now I'm saying this <laughs> on podcasts, it's going to be on YouTube. So 
we don't have enough money to have another child or we can't have children yet because we don't have the right finances. And honestly, I think that's like one of the worst reasons to not have kids. I mean, I know how, so many people that that's the case. I've heard that so many times. But think about what God's calling you to. And David, you hit the nail on the head there. Mm-hmm. Like we're always thinking about the future when it comes to money, mm-hmm. but the reality is it's now. Like yeah. you're filled with the spirit, it's right now. Like, mm-hmm. Well, ultimately the motivation, right, is if I have more money, then I can buy that lake house and I can be generous. But if I buy that lake house, I'm not going to have the money to be generous because I bought a lake house. That's, yeah, yeah. I know how, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we just, like, I don't know. I, I feel like that kind of goes along with preference too. Like we have preference in the world. Like what shoes are you wearing right now? You know, if you had more money, you wouldn't be wearing those. You know I, what I mean? Like, I, if it, I had more like money, this, I'd be wearing Jordans. Just yeah, and, well, but so, I'm, you know. I'm just saying this is a, I think this is a modern addiction that we don't call out very often because status yeah. is equated with well, money. And, and the church, it's, inv- it's invaded the church. I mean, we, we talked about this at one point, like there's an Instagram preacher sneakers mm-hmm. and the, like some of their old, shoes man. cost more than my car. Yeah. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. Like, it, and this is, this is something that the world sees. And like I said, even earlier about preference, they, they don't know what to think. Yeah. They're like, is this what the whole church looks like? Is this how they value things? And I think we've lost what our value is mm-hmm. and our value in Christ. And especially when you look at this passage, yeah. what should be valued. What we've done, which I really like, what we have just done is we've, we've kind of thrown out different scenarios, mm-hmm. different ideas, different examples of what the drunk on wine can look like. Yep. Anything that controls us, anything that keeps us from following the Holy Spirit is that wine that we can really be snagged in. But the indicator, the greatest indicator as I understand it, uh, is the Holy Spirit has all of you when there is freedom in your life to serve, to be obedient, mm-hmm. uh, and to stand on the purity of the gospel and so forth. And yeah. so I really love that. And one more question before we kind of wrap this mm-hmm. up. Um, I really like Brian's take-homes. Um, the first one was recognize your need to be filled. And I think that, that by the end of his message, very much everybody recognized the mm-hmm. need for it. And I think that we recognize the need for it more and more as we keep in step with him mm-hmm. and stay in tune with him, which is fantastic. The second take home was, was hard for some of us to hear. He said, confess all known sins. I thought, I don't know if that on the, on the surface, it feels like that goes with the topic, but the more I understood scripture, the more I thought about it, it it's a perfect fit. Sin tangles. Sin confuses, sin deceives. And so um, do, we, do we have a church culture hmm. where our people uh, feel the urgency, and it's not necessarily a no answer, feel the urgency to hmm. confess sins, not just so they can, in a sense, get out of jail free card hmm. um, or, be, or so that they can um, get out of the heat of the light of mm. God's holiness blazing on their sin, right? Mm. We, we all feel, know what that feels like and yeah. it's not a good feeling. Yeah. And so just to get away from that, do we feel the need to confess sins and repent of our sins so that we can have a heart that is so in tune with the Holy Spirit? Mm. Do you sense that's a part of our church culture? Hmm. I mean, I've only been here since November, so let's see. I, I, <laughs> I, I would say this, and I'm going to speak more generally because of that. I haven't okay. been here a long time, but I would say one of the struggles in any church, and I would say here, I'll include here mm-hmm. in that, is I think Jesus, God specifically, if you go back to the Eve in the garden, God responds to Adam and Eve in the garden when they sin by honoring them rather than shaming them. Mm-hmm. 
you notice they have the the garment of leaves and he gives them the garment of animal skins that's just one example but there's many from that that narrative and i think that's part of the problem in the church is when we think that things are going to get exposed out into the light, then we're going to be shamed and people are going to be pointing mm. or the example of when Jesus, like the, the woman is out there and they're like going to stone this woman because mm. of the sins that she's committed. And he's like, who, whoever's without sin cast the first mm. stone. And everyone's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I think in essence, a, a culture of, of confession and repentance I think is the lifeblood and is more important in the church than anything almost. Mm. Because if you don't have that, you don't end up with this open, honest dialogue as mm. a church. Um, I've observed an open honesty, so I won't say that just I'm, I'm new. Eric, you've been here longer than the two of us, so I'm just <laughs> saying like, but I think, I think one of the things that I love and I appreciate is I don't get the sense that there's a culture of shame. And shame is like something that really is destructive. Mm. A lot of us have church hurt or pain or difficulty, spiritual, mm. maybe we've been spiritually abused in some way where people made us feel shame just for being honestly confessing our sin and repenting of it. Mm. But confession and repentance should be like something that we celebrate. Mm. And so, and that's difficult, right? Mm. I mean, I, I think... Uh, of many times where people didn't do something because they thought, are people looking? Mm. Am I going to be seen doing this? I don't know. Mm. And then there's other times that we've discussed before as well where people went forward, you know, when a, a preacher speaks and they only went forward because their 14 friends went forward. And that's a different type of, you know, to be seen. I think confession repentance, though, as a church, as a church body, can be public or it can also be private. Mm. And I think the way that works itself out is many times not on a Sunday morning, actually. Sunday mornings is a good time, but it happens during the week. Yeah. And it happens when the Holy Spirit fills you and makes you realize, like, you're exposed to your own sin. The older I get, the more I realize how sinful I am. I hope mm -hmm. most people feel that way at Brookside. I mean, like, God exposes you to your sin, and then you realize, man, I need Jesus even more. Right. Than I did right. before. So and that, that's an indicator, I think, of the Holy Spirit mm. that leads you always to Jesus. Mm. Um, and I think that that's a really good summary of, of what the Holy Spirit does for us, being filled with the Holy Spirit, as opposed yeah. to what wine does for us, yeah. where wine and other addictions control us and keep us in bondage. Uh, the Holy Spirit sets us free. Mm. And so I'm asking, what does freedom from the Holy Spirit look like in my home? Mm. What does freedom from the Holy Spirit look like in my church, in my thought lives, um, in my private time? When nobody's around, what does freedom look like? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think what Brian talked about this weekend um, is going to graduate people into a level of freedom that has not been experienced before. And mm. so thank you guys for being a part of this conversation and thank you for joining us online. Again, if you have not yet done so, make sure you subscribe to our channel, uh, hit the like button as well as the notification bell so you can be notified whenever we upload new content. Thank you again for being with us.